Hello and welcome to this very special edition of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Chapin Hemingway, joined as always by Jeremy Fisk, but no Lee this week. He'll be back next week. Have no fear. Um, this week, Jeremy and I are going to discuss the film Ammonite, starring Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan. And then I'm going to ask Jeremy what I asked Lee last week. How are we going to save movie theaters? It was a sea lizard. Six feet long. Days it took to dig it out, clean it. I was only 11 years old. It's in the British Museum. That one was special. Vasani. I've often heard your reputation discussed in the Geographical Society in London. Is there something you wanted, sir? My wife. She hasn't been at all well of late. She suffers from melancholia. I want her to walk the shoreline with you, learn from you. I'm not looking for an apprentice. I would pay a premium for a private audience. Okay. So, Jeremy, I, uh, we were both kind of lost about where to go with this movie, not for any particular reason, but we just didn't have any clever ideas for an opening. Um, so I thought we could just play loose and fast with it, have a little fun. I wanted to ask you just like a more general question. This is totally unfair, and I'm going to say that ahead of time, right? Like, But it's something to talk about, and I think it's an interesting place to go. But this film is very similar in theme and structure and... Um, tone and plot time period to, uh, portrait of a lady on fire and it's not just right. because there it's about a lesbian romance in times when that wasn't okay um, although that is a similarity and I and I apologize I, I, I can understand why people would find it offensive that we're sort of associating these two movies but we are no a- absolutely not I don't think anyone okay, should find that offensive I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and say that i think it's very like if you watch this and and you've seen portrait of a lady on fire and don't associate the two you're being crazy yeah um and you know what kajillionaire is another lesbian romance this year that was it's nothing like it so we're not talking about that movie um so my question for you i have a couple questions for you first is is this is does the fact that you're seeing this movie let's call it the same in the same fixie year as portrait of a lady on fire. Does that impact? Does that have any negative connotations for you on this film? You know, separating that, that it's a little unfair to compare these two movies. Um, ha- having sort of seen a very similar movie, does that color your analysis of it? Could, does it improve your analysis of it? Does it make it a richer experience for you to watch a movie that is sort of so, so similar in all the ways I just mentioned? Uh, no, actually, that's a really good question because I, I absolutely think it colors my experience on this. Um, Portrait of Lady on Fire, unfortunately, we saw that after our fixies. Um, but it was still technically part of last year, so I don't think it's going to be part of this year's fixies. Oh, that's but a shame. It's, and the reason I say it shouldn't be is because I think it would do very well. I I think, you know, that movie has a lot going for it. It has a lot more going for it than just, ooh, forbidden love at a forbidden time. 
which I honestly think this movie sort of the whole entire premise is about that sort of forbidden love and it doesn't even address it really there's not those moments which Portrait of the Lady on Fire has where they have to be stealthy or hidden or anything like that it's just we know at the time period you're not allowed to have this sort of relationship whereas Portrait of the Lady on Fire has a lot more going on with that dynamic and it becomes a little bit suspenseful because they have to hide it and they have to be wary when when they're separated. Whereas this movie is just, I, I don't even know, like t- they meet and they hook up and they don't just necessarily decide to be together. We're not entirely sure, but nothing to do with the time period or uh, outside pressures. Mm. Okay. But so I, I feel like we're we're getting a good sense of what you feel about the movie right now. But do you? I mean, are there any occasions when you can remember this in the past when it's had a positive impacted you positively? I mean, like, do like we a, are a we, movie that's similar to another movie? Yeah, like, are we are like we deep like smarter in Armageddon? Exactly. Like, are we are we smarter? Do we learn? Like, I mean, there is a lesson to be taken from those movies. I think. You know, when they came out, Deep Impact was the smarter, more sophisticated, more serious movie. And I will Armageddon say this is way. the one that is like, I think it was probably not as well reviewed. But in the end of the day, we were, I mean, was last, I don't I haven't seen Deep Impact for years, but Armageddon, I watch every six months. Yeah. So I'll say it this way. If this had come out first, yeah, before Portrait of a Lady on Fire, I think we'd give it a little bit I mean I almost don't want to say I would but I think maybe we'd give it a little bit more thought and reverence whereas coming out after Portrait of a Lady on Fire um, I think it just it falls very very flat in my opinion Mm. Um, you know it just doesn't do anything interesting and and I and weirdly it's not just Portrait of a Lady on Fire I'd like to compare it to. It'd, it'd be another movie from this year that will be a Fixie nominee, and that's uh, First Cow, mm. which is another relationship, not necessarily a homosexual relationship between two men. It doesn't really go into that, but it's a unique relationship between men of a time period where that sort of friendship if you want to call it that or whatever you want to call it um didn't exist so so that movie did something unique with that relationship whereas this i don't feel like did anything unique at all with Mm. that relationship Mm. okay yeah so we should say this film, Ammonite, is about Mary Anning, who was a fairly famous uh, fossil collector, dealer, paleontologist. And she lives in this sort of remote part of England called Lyme Regis um, uh, in an area called, uh, uh, yeah, Lyme Regis. Um, and then, <laughs> I mean, in very similar fashion to... Um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. 
she meets a young woman who is in a very unhappy marriage, who's recently lost a child. Um, and they kind of fall in love. And they're, I think the, the, if there is a difference, <laughs> if there is a distinction in these two movies, I think it is in the Saoirse Ronan character. There's a clear sort of, um, there's a clear kind of, you know, like hierarchy change that happens in this movie. So we, we come in and, 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 uh, Kate Winslet's character, the, the paleontologist, you know, who's a, who was a real person, um, is, is a lower class person. She, she digs in the mud all day, but she's a scientist and she's well respected by some people, including, um, Saoirse Ronan's husband and Saoirse Ronan and her husband are upper class. They're part of the, the landed gentry, I think. I mean, they're, 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 they're posh as they say. Um, and, but, but, you know, when they first, so she, uh, Saoirse Ronan is left with Mary to recover from some, you know, fainting spell or whatever the hell they had back then. Um, while her husband goes and, and, and pursues archeological, uh, exploits. And, uh, at first, you know, she's out of place and there's a, it's a very sort of familiar relationship there, but you know, Kate wants the character kind of looks down on her, but then there's like a shift that happens at, you know, sort of towards the end where, uh, her, her, her class, her, her money kind of changes things a little bit. And I, I did find that interesting. And, and there, there is that same social dynamic in, um, portrait of a lady on fire, but it's not, it isn't used to this sort of same effect here, but ultimately I kind of agree with you. I, I wasn't blown away by this movie. I, I liked the filmmaking. I thought the tone was interesting. I thought the acting was, was extraordinary. There's a couple, uh, you know, pretty <laughs> intense sex scenes, which I'd like to talk with you about <laughs> in detail and not for the reasons you probably are imagining, but, um, so why don't we save that for when we inevitably run out of things to say about this rather unremarkable movie. But, um, I think I agree with you. I liked it. I thought it was fine, but, um, I mean what you're describing and what you're finding, they were all in this movie. Like I'm not denying that the sort of social class part was there, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't, Look, like we talk about being subtle and how interesting being subtle can be, but this movie takes subtlety to to the next level where we'd have no conflict and we have no interest yes. in in their conflicts or their problems or whatever it is. I mean, the writing was just so poor dialogue-wise. I mean, luckily they got good actors to do this, but a good example of just how bad the writing was, was the mother, for yeah. example, yes. started coughing. And you knew exactly when she started coughing that she was going to She's eventually... If you have a, if you have yeah. a cough in, in 1800s, yeah. you're done you're for. You're done for. She had a little cough and that was it. And even the dialogue between Ronan and Winslet, they just... It was bad. Like, honestly, it was bad. If anyone else had tried to pull it off, it wouldn't have worked. It was very surface level. And this movie just 
100% relied on its audience knowing that what they were doing was wrong. But who cares? Like, that's not that's not enough to to make this movie worth it. I needed I needed more to it. I needed more with Winslet's character as an archaeologist. Like maybe that had some like I wanted yeah. that to play more of a role. I wanted these fossils to just mean something else. I I needed something more than what this movie gave us. I agree with that. I think what was extraordinary about Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that it was sort of sort of like superficially very simple. Um, the story was simple. She's there to paint a portrait of this woman to, mm-hmm. you know, get her to, to be married by some rich guy. Um, and they fall in love. And it's in this very, much like Ammonite, it's it's in this very kind of, I mean, it's on an island and they're not, they're, they don't see a whole lot of people. They're, there's not much of a community. They're, they're sort of in a vacuum on this little, you know, uh, estate. Um, and it's similar in Ammonite a little bit, but, um, I was sort of struck by how, how much we got out of this simple little story in, uh, portrait of a lady on fire. But this film is sort of simple without, without the extraction. You know, there isn't, there isn't a whole lot living around it. There isn't a whole lot you can take away, like sort of think about or talk about society. Um, there's a, there's a scene when you, we, we follow Kate Winslet to London and there's some rather good CGI for what I assume is a pretty low budget film of right, yeah, London at the 100%. time. And, um, it's interesting, but it's like, Oh yeah, there's a world out there and you don't really think about that. And it's never really, I mean, you know, there, you, you have the idea in the back of your head that this is, a, this is an illicit affair and that it's, it's not supposed to happen, but there, the, again, it's never, there's never any issues. And so, I think it's an interesting line to walk and one that I feel like we we have discussed in the past and we'll keep discussing on the podcast, which is that, like, you know, is there, where do you draw the line between simplicity and sort well, of boring, I, you know, sort of like yeah, not doing I think anything? Where, you can do a where little. Where you draw the line and where Portrait draws the line compared to Ammonite is it, it you can glean something out of Portrait now. Like you, there's lessons to be learned uh, uh, from Portrait now. Like you can put yourself in their situation, and it might not be exactly the same, but there are sort of longings that maybe, and maybe specifically for women, that they can't really express, and you get that from Portrait. Whereas Ammonite, it's it's such a caught in its own time. And I think like the movie thought it was just being so clever with with uh, Winslet's character by making her um, an archaeologist or or a scientist, I guess, uh, a fossil hunter because that's such a unique idea. But really, you got to go somewhere with that. Yeah, yeah, yes, and and there wasn't much of that. Although you know, there is a little bit of her career and the way her her life was but you know her work was kind of um well she you know she wasn't able to participate in the scientific community in the same way and a lot of her work was kind of i don't think it was stolen necessarily but like her name couldn't ne- necessarily be on it um right they yep they alluded to that so 
Yeah. But again, it's a time period thing. It's like being a woman at the, in that time period, which is, of course, something to talk about. But I, I, it, it does not make a movie. No. No, it doesn't. No, you're right. Um, um, okay. What did you think of the the performances? Let's talk a little more in depth about that. Well, I think they elevated a pretty lackluster screenplay from Francis Lee, who is also the director. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised they signed on to it. I almost like describe this as a poor man's portrait of a lady on fire, but with bigger stars. Right, right. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think they were fine. But I also don't think they were um, the same caliber of acting also because of what they had to work with as Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Um, I forget the name of the 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 blonde girl in Portrait. Um, but um, it was it. I don't remember. Uh, but she was she was fantastic. Like, I think. That was one of my favorite performances of the last year. That end scene of Portrait where she's just staring, um, trying, realizing she can't do anything when Adele she's in Hanel, public theater. Adele you're talking about. Adele Hanel, yeah. Mm-hmm. She was amazing, amazing in that. I hope they this, both were. Great. I mean, yeah, no, I agree. They both were, they were both much better. I don't even want to say it was much better. I think, I think like Ronan and Winslet elevated Ammonite but I don't think they could have saved it, you know? Yeah. What yeah, are your I mean, thoughts? I, Kate Winslet is someone who I'm not, like, totally convinced of her talent in the same way that I am other people. I think she's a very good actress, but I don't know that I necessarily, um, you know, think she's as great as I think she's people think she is. Um, yeah, you know what? This movie is the movie that I realized that as well. I just assume she's yeah, amazing. You assume and she's amazing. Movie, I'm like, she's fine. Yeah. And and I thought she was I, I liked her a lot. I thought she was great. I thought that was an interesting character. This person who's kind of, you know, sullen and keeps to herself and her profession is kind of a lone person's profession. Um I like Cersei Ronan. I mean, you know, she's Fixie Winner, she's a she's great and but this this role was just like what was it? Like she's just she yeah. really is like the second lead in a romance. I mean, even in like a romantic drama, she's the woman. I, I would say if Kate Winslet was a man in this, people would be calling Ronan's character written as sexist. I, yeah, like she's I just there to yeah help the lead. She's just there to to you know help that character deal with their problems rather than what they're what being a fully round rounded uh character themselves and they and you know it's interesting because like there's a lot of they do a lot of things like where there's like close-up on hands and a lot of touching there's a lot there's a lot of like touch stuff in this right that you know you could you could you could imagine like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna bring like i'm gonna make this this feel really tactile and and intense in a way by all their little small touchings and you know, I, I like that, but like again, like what is it adding up to? It's not adding up to, 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 to anything. Um, so let's get into it. This is what I really wanted to talk to you about, which is these uh, 
So there are a couple like intense sex scenes between these two, for all I know, straight actresses. And I think they're fine. They're, they're pretty intense. They're, I guess, erotic. They are, um, but I just, I couldn't help thinking while I was watching them, like, this is just, this is just like, I feel, <laughs> I feel like this is just a, um, uh, a, a personal challenge. What, what am I trying to say? Like a, like a, uh, uh, you know, like a, a a landmark for every straight actress out there. Like, you know, if you're a serious actress, eventually you will be tested in the by the lesbian love scene that you are forced to have with another straight actress. And it's just this like what's on display for you is not real emotion, really. That's not where my mind was. It's not. But it's like how intense can these scenes be for these actresses and how can they, you know, how much will they, how much nudity will they reveal? And Kate Winslet, of course, it was in the biggest movie ever naked. And so she's no slouch to, to nudity, but then it's like, Oh, it's so shocking that Saoirse Ronan is suddenly naked. If that was really her, it might've been a body double. I don't know. But, but I just felt like it was, it was so kind of explicit and in your face that that's where my mind went. Like, this is just, another challenge for your for two white straight actresses all right well i will describe my process in watching those scenes and then i also think we should get into the conversation of portraying the you know others as because i know that's a thing right now like portraying gay if you're straight right or right whatever but we can we can we can talk about that yeah, after and i think that's a worthwhile conversation but my my mindset watching this movie was and they i mean these these are intense sex scenes like they're mm-hmm. they're yeah but i was so bored by the rest of it i was like that started happening and i had to like you know hey hey penis wake up there's uh they're not talking about fossils anymore. And it was in my in my penis was like, ah, I'm over it. I already did. I already, uh, already, already called went it to a sleep. night. I went to sleep. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I literally I already called it a night. Two hours like, ago. No, no, there's a there's a real good sex scene going. You should pay attention. It's like not I'm uh I'm comfortable, thanks. And then uh it was over. So as a straight man, that's even how I took this <laughs> sex between um, Kate Winslet and uh, Saoirse Ronan. So, but do, I, but do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, I I get what you're saying. Like, like, it's like how far can they go? Look how far they went. This is what right. acting is, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I almost feel like. are they pushing themselves to do this or is it an expectation they have that they have to Mm. like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I bet they both went into this movie thinking like, all right, this might be, you know, an, uh, award nominating spot for me. Like, this is what I'm doing. The the conversation for sure. Yeah. 
Maybe not for a fix. So but... they're like, I think we could, you know, we should just do it. Like, we're going to do this scene. We should just do it all out. Um, but there was nudity in Portrait of a Lady on Fire, but you never, it wasn't like. Yeah. But I was interested enough that I didn't even have to wake up my penis for that one. It was ready. <laughs> <laughs> so <coughs> okay so there has been a lot of controversy about um people being cast mostly like straight people white people uh cis normative people um i think um scarlett johansson was cast as a transgender person in a movie and people got all up in arms and then she eventually, I think she eventually backed out, although I'm not sure. Um, there's a long history of straight people playing gay actors and gay actors, not or gay characters and gay actors, not getting to play gay characters. And um, yeah, I think it's an interesting debate. It's also like, I think it, it could expand to directors and writers too. Should, should, should directors and writers be telling stories about people that they aren't like? And to me, you know, I feel like my mood is of my, my position is a kind of evolving a little bit. I, I think it's easy to, you know, like casting a straight person in, in a gay role. Well, first of all, we should say like, with Ammonite, I think like one, the person who, who, uh, Kate Winslet plays is a real person. I think, I think Saoirse Ronan is as well. And there's no evidence that they were gay. Um, and there's not, it's not real that it's not necessarily that this person was known to be gay. So, and, and Saoirse Ronan was playing someone who had a child was married. So it's possible that they, they, you know, like sexuality is a spectrum, right? So like saying, you know, this person is a lesbian or this person is bisexual. Like, you know, how, what, how many degrees away from the real person? I, I ultimately don't think it matters. I think there is a real problem with, you know, cat. I think they're, you know, gay people aren't cast in things as much as other people. And that is a problem. And I kind of understand the transgender thing, but like also how many sort of movie stars are transgender. I can't think of one. Um, Although the movie we were going to talk about this 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 week, um, uh, "Promising Young Woman," features a transgender person, so there's that and a very famous one. But uh, I don't know. Where do you stand? I I can tell by your face that you have a strong opinion, which is good. Um, I I hate it. I hate this slippery slope. And look, like I think that's the whole point of art is exploring other aspects of humanity and like being able to portray like that's, that's the whole point of art it's the whole point of acting is like being able to pray portray others and once you say that you have to be this certain thing to portray it then we put ourselves back in our own boxes and then we're only dealing with what we know and i think that's bad i think that's an entirely bad thing i think you should be able to portray somebody else. I mean, obviously, like, there's boundaries. I don't think we should, we should be doing blackface or anything like right. that. But I do think, like, gay people should absolutely be able to portray straight people. I think straight people should be able to portray gay people. Anything that it's a nothing, like, 
that you can't see on the outside. Like, I think that's what acting is. And, and also being able to put yourself in the, those people's position is, is I think a, a good thing for everybody. I, I, I really like the trans thing. I think Scarlett Johansson should absolutely be able to portray a trans person unless she was going to strip naked and show her penis because, uh, a lot of, a lot of penises you know, on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, a lot of penis talk, but like, I, I yeah, that, that's how I feel about it. I, I think that's what acting is. And I think that's what ma- makes acting great. But as long as it goes both ways, like as long as trans people could play non-trans people, you would never know. Like that's the whole point is, is if the performance works. Now, if you want to talk about not having enough, um, representation from certain uh demographics and minorities and then i would i would totally agree but like there's maybe not enough trans people out there in the acting world i could i could i could agree with that but it to say that people can't portray others then then what are we doing no acting? i like, I, I agree with that i i do think that the i mean i will just say for the for argument's sake that like that i think that is sometimes the you know, those arguments that it is a slippery slope, as you said, you know, but you know, when we didn't want to cast American Indians to play, you know, the bad guys in a, um, in a John Ford movie or a John Wayne movie, you know, you'd cast a white guy and put makeup on him. And now I think it's a good thing that that's not allowed or it's frowned upon because, you know, well, one, it's not very realistic when you have this like chiseled, German looking actor playing with blue eyes playing a <laughs> the chief of the of the you know but that's different than what I'm saying I know that's I, the black face of it no no I realize that but I think to to some people it's the same thing I right. I don't agree it's I disagree with thing. those people you disagree okay well and, and yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with you I think you're right like that is what acting is and I think you know we talked a little bit about this with the Irishman right like Part of, and I think I was on your more on your side than you guys were, but we were in preparation for, for talking about that movie. I was saying like, you know, that is sort of what's great about theater. What I used to love about acting in the theater is there's even a, in that sense, and especially with performance, there's more a suspension of disbelief than um, there is with film. Like sometimes there are 15 year olds who are playing grandmothers and, you know, like that's what a high school play is like. And and, you know, like, I don't know. Do you believe it as much? Fine. You, you may not. But, like, that's part of the, the fun. They're taking those jobs away from grandmas. Well, right. Exactly. Like, that's that. At least at a high school, that's who you have to play. Um, and and so it's, it, is, it is interesting to see where that goes. I, I think, um, I, you know, I do think that, like, there is a real issue because from discriminatory reasons, you know, there aren't that many gay movie stars. I mean, I can't even name one person who is, I mean, there's gay actors, but like, who's a gay movie star. I can't think Tom Cruise. (laughs) You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Um, but do you know what I mean? Like, and and so because of that discrimination, they aren't able to play the care. So you have to cast, there's a certain issue with casting. So, but, but, but ultimately I think I agree with you. Like, Anybody should be able to play any part. I don't think you should be able to switch races. 
yeah that might be difficult there was that movie cloud atlas where uh the cast basically played a whole bunch of different races and it's weird like to see hugh grant as like an asian man you know and there's something wrong about that even though it's it may not be offensive i don't know um what do you what are your feelings on like writer directors like because there is one movie that i was like you know like it's probably a good thing that Martin Scorsese didn't direct Malcolm X or that, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, or Michael Mann didn't direct Ali. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh, he did. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, like, like it's, and this like this, this, this gets away from it, but there's a certain amount, like we have a certain understanding of our own experiences. Right. And I think, you know, that you're you're absolutely right, and I believe that is what art is. It's about expanding. It's about the human experience. It's about bringing people together and not dividing people. You know, it's not about it's not about you can tell this story and you cannot tell this story. It's about right. we're all in this together, and it's about and and usually great movies are about more of what we have in common than what we have. In, uh, different. I think also being conscious of it is a big part of it. Like if you're telling a story that you know, like part of it you're not equipped to i think understanding that and getting that information from the right people i think that's part of being inclusive mm. like i'm never going to like if 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 i was making movies i would never i wouldn't be able to make a movie i wouldn't be able to make i, I don't know some sort of like i wouldn't be able to make the wire like i just i have no knowledge of that world right. enough to be able to do it right but if i wanted to make a a, a show or, or something where there is an aspect of it that i'm not familiar with like educating yourself and talking to the right people and being part of it doesn't mean you can't make that show in general you can't exclude that part of your story right if you're not familiar with it you just have to figure it out and talk to the right people and put everyone together and i think that's what movies literally do like that's the whole that's that's sort of the magic of them um yes and then once we start separating it out and saying you can't do this and you can't talk about that or you can't portray this then i think we have a Pro- I think we we have a bigger problem in in the same vein that we're trying to solve by saying you can't do it. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you on that. I, I will say that when we spared you the discomfort of watching Hillbilly Elegy, I did mm-hmm. look up. I was like, it makes sense that, I mean... Ron Howard is a, is a challenging director to begin with, but it makes sense that he's not able to tell the story of these poor rural white people because he's had a silver spoon up his ass his whole life. And like, so have I, right? I'm not directing a, a, that kind of movie. And I would inform myself and want to make myself, you know, aware of those things. But sometimes I think at least somebody on the, some, like your writer, your director, maybe your producer, maybe your actors. I don't know who it is, but somebody needs to be informed about that experience. And I think. Right. But here's the thing. Hill, Hillbilly Elegy. I didn't watch it, but it was a bad movie. Horrible. So he failed. He failed at what he was doing because he didn't wasn't able to educate himself on the, the situation that he was portraying. So yes. it was a failure. So ultimately, that's the test. That is the test. You're right. But I'm just saying, 
I think there is something to beyond the sort of social justice reasons for including people of color, including people who are not straight, cisgender, whatever. There is also reasons to do that because they enrich the storytelling. And that's not always true. Like you could also have someone like that who totally ruins the storytelling like Ron Howard did. I mean, there's it's not a it's not like a hundred percent the other way, but I think it's always nice right. to have those voices there. Because they inform and enrich the story to some extent. Of course. And that's the whole point. It's like we're not saying we're guaranteeing great products. We're just saying that if you don't do the due diligence, you may fail. And failing's okay. Like we're then we get on our podcast and we say, Your movie sucks. Sorry, Ron <laughs> Howard. Apollo 14. You're not winning, you're not winning a fixie this year, mate. No. And, and that's what we do. And that's the whole point. It's like, but to not try or to say you just, you can't do it because, Hey, I just got to, this is my lane and my lane only, even though if you feel strongly about whatever subject it may be, I, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I am with it. Like, I think, we're all allowed to tell stories. We're all allowed to be judged on those stories. And we can't be told necessarily what stories we can't tell. And it's it, it's the same thing like I feel about comedy. I don't think anything is off limits necessarily if you can pull off the punchline. If the punchline makes sense without offending, like literally offending people and you've gone or you've figured out a way to do it, then amazing like that's 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 the whole point of comedy and that's like that's the joke you got it and it's the same thing with this sort of thing like right if you pull it off and then more power to you which i do not think um mr francis lee pulled ammonite off i i i think uh I want to know what his thought process was here, like what what he was really trying to accomplish. Because I don't know if he's like I know nothing about this guy. I don't know if he's a straight man or a gay man or what what the deal was there. But like if he's does, and here we go back to <laughs> judging it because it didn't work. Like, but if he's a straight man and he's just like. All right. Well, we'll put in a period piece, and uh, people think it's uh, real important. But then we'll get some real good uh, sex scenes between Kate Winslet and Cersei Ronan. Oh yeah, and uh, I'm sure that was his thinking. No, I d- uh, I don't know. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I yeah, I would, I would, I, I would wonder that. I, but I also like not thinking about that. You know, like I feel like you're what you're kind of pushing up against it's that kind of thing it's like yeah people who have these opinions that we're sort of disagreeing with are the people that go and look up whether this director is straight or gay like it shouldn't matter you know it shouldn't matter. like 100 he you're didn't right. he didn't tell a good he didn't make a good movie in our opinion and that's all that matters yep. it's like it wasn't Next. really effective um and Here's, i do have a question for you because this did get a 73 on metascore do you think critics are blinded by time period and subject matter i think they're blinded by time period subject matter and i think the subtlety thing i think there is such a fine line from like doing nothing to doing a little right and sometimes 
sometimes you can you can like just be oh we're gonna be so subtle here and we're gonna our filmmaking is gonna be so quiet and it's not gonna be suggestive and and that was what was so brilliant about Portrait of a Lady on Fire is that it was just enough. It did things very subtly, but it did have it did have an edge. It did it was doing something, and you could tell that it was. But it was subtle enough that you still had all the benefits you get from uh, from subtlety. Yeah, no, I think that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, um, and I wish. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I feel like they want to give subtlety and uh, s- slowness, for lack of a better word, more credit than it deserves. Yeah, I mean, I think you made a great point. I forget which uh, podcast it was uh, where you said, oh, it was um, – it was – It was just recently. It was like an act, kind of an action. Oh, it was Goldeneye, and you were saying yeah. it was. It's harder to make a movie like Goldeneye than like a movie like Born, and that was really smart because it's easy to to follow the sort of paint by number way. You know, handheld camera, quick cutting. We know what to do here to make this like a kind of smart seeming action movie, but to make like a movie that like GoldenEye that has like a delicate tone of sort of action movie, but also camp. And those things are more challenging. And in, in many ways, like aren't are sort of underappreciated and we admire GoldenEye because it did those things successfully. And it's a harder job. And I think the same thing is, is, is for this is that it's easy to be, subtle and to linger on the hands and do all like that's we've seen that it's and been look at done. the beach and, and show yeah. the rocks and and watch her do her her craft like yeah it's easy to do that but what is what are you saying what is it telling us in totality with the story are we getting anything out of it and i think those questions weren't answered here i think it was more about Hey, if anyone wants to criticize this movie, then they're criticizing a, a, a forbidden love between two people at a time that they couldn't have it, and and a wow. woman who was able to do uh, something with her life that most women couldn't do at the time, and nobody wants to do that, and and I think that's where they get confused. Like nobody is doing that nobody's criticizing that aspect of it you just have to you're still making a movie you're still making entertainment and i don't want to have to just wake up my penis because uh there's a super sex scene right right between two two actresses um you know an hour and a half in yeah and there is just something yeah well whatever okay let's move on fuck this movie um it wasn't that bad in my opinion, but I think I liked it more than you, but I I don't think it, there's much to say. Um, so Jeremy last week, Lee and I yeah. hypothesized how we could save the theatrical experience. And right. I know you listened to that and I want to know your thoughts. What do you think? Well, I really liked what you said early on and it got me thinking and I, I'm going to take a contrary opinion to even anything I believe, but just care, you know, careful maybe... with whatever you're touching. Cause it's, it's making some noise. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm going to take a contrary opinion to what I believe, but I think it's at least a, a jumping off point and a starting point for us. Okay. I loved when you talked about Shakespeare in the Globe Theater, which I've been to, by the way. In, in, so, in old London. Yeah, not the original. They rebuilt it, but uh been there. Uh, how how the commoners would come there and watch Shakespeare for four hours. Mm-hmm. Standing up. And standing up. But the thing was, they were pissing on the ground. They were yelling at each other. Drunk, probably. They were probably super drunk. They were they were eating whatever you eat back then. I don't know. Uh, chicken legs or... So if you, if you black out in Hamlet in like 1638... Do you go back to the theater the next day to see it again? Or like, what, like what's the... I think you do because it's affordable and it's something to do. But at the same time, from all accounts, they were engaged right. in it, you know? Like, so maybe it's us that has to change our mentality. Hmm. And maybe we make the movies a more commoner a more common man experience instead of Lee's tears where the, <laughs> the poor go and, and, and have their own little time. And then the rich, uh, wear their white paint makeup and with right, their fans right. and sit at the back and, <laughs> and watch you actually, it's, you yell at the screen, you, you, you engage with the movie that way. you, <laughs> You know, you, you you don't get mad when the teenagers come in. You or maybe you, you you're all allowed to boo them. Like you have a commonality experience where you're a little more vocal, and that at least that's something different than watching it at home. And again, the caveat is I would fucking hate that. You want to go the other way, but. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe we should just you, me, and Lee need to chill out, relax, Ugh. and and enjoy the movie for the movie with the people. With the commoners, be part of the yeah, be part of the commoners. And I also, I also think it's just funny because of the way Lee describes it, it's definitely a a uh, financial tier, like. The riffraff, without saying it, is basically anyone that is going to go for five dollars. Yeah. He calls the riffraff, yeah. and then maybe that'll get rid of them. Or like if we charge if we charge fifty, we get rid of the riffraff. Right, right, right. So maybe we all just fucking enjoy it and uh, you know throw peanut shells on the ground. That's interesting. Um... I think what I would say to that is, okay, but, but but what does that mean? Like, how does that save? Do you really want to do this? I feel like this is a bad idea. This is not what we want. No, I would hate it. So you're I making the movies cheaper, essentially. You're making them, you're, or you're just saying like snobs like us need to embrace the, the kind of communal aspect of it. Right. It's funny you say that. Lee and I were such snobs, and when we lived together, you visited occasionally, but we would only go to the Arclight. and. Yeah. For those we've talked and a lot about, you it, guys were snobs when you didn't have any money. We didn't have any money, and we were. And the ArcLight, twelve years ago, was fourteen dollars to go see a movie. So God knows what it is now, but you know, 
very respectful of the movie. It just like like Lee said, it kept out the riffraff, the teenagers making out, catching hand jumps, and we had to go to another movie theater to see. We really wanted to see American Gangster when it came out, but it was not playing at the ArcLight, and so we had to go to a movie theater at the Grove, which is an extremely fancy outdoor mall in West Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It's very fancy. I think you've probably been there. And yeah, Lee and I, while we were driving there, were making jokes the whole time about how we were slumming it by going to the Grove and like how awful it was going to be. Of course, it's this fancy, fanciest mall in America, blah, blah, blah. And when we got there, some people got in a fight in the middle of the movie. <laughs> really? Yeah. They were like <laughs> punching each other. It was, it was incredible. See, that's what it was. Awful. Maybe you just need to embrace that as the entertainment aspect of it. Cause you think those people who were originally watching, you know, uh, sh- uh, Shakespeare back in the day they were like oh Romeo and Juliet you know Romeo Juliet right. let down your hair <laughs> classic that's exactly how it goes that's word for word how did you get that uh, yeah, but that's yeah, interesting yeah. because like because I I mean do you, th- th- there wasn't like some like false sense of respecting the actors and th- that experience right like I mean people were throwing yeah. shit at them uh you know, there wasn't like a respectful, you know, you didn't have to like be quiet and there, there, it was more yet, yet those plays have lasted 600 years. Right. Yeah, that's true. So, okay. Well, that's um, one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> just go lowest common denominator. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes I do enjoy those experiences. Like when it, look, like, it's if, like, it, it's, it's the dive bar, maybe mentality yeah, of I, movies. I don't like dive bars. I, I've never, oh, I never gotten into dive bars, but, but let's, let's say this. I, I don't. Okay. There's this theater here. I've talked about a couple of times. You've been there, the Hollywood yeah. theater and they, it's a nonprofit and they'll sometimes do things like show aliens uh, on 70 millimeter, or they'll show a movie that, Everybody who've or I went to go see nine to five there once, you know, and it's a very like participatory experience. Like people are laughing and shouting and sometimes they're, it's interactive and they're like there was like there's usually like it, they have a cool opening like somebody. Did you like that? I did. It was fun. I mean, as long as everybody is on the same page for the experience. Great. I don't mind right. laughing or being well, into the, problem- the movie. I mind people being distracted away from the experience. And I don't want. Uh, oh, here's how you do it. So the problem with that is like you're going to movies everybody's ex- expected to have seen. You're not going to Jaws for the first time when you're watching in an inner tube on a lake or in the ocean. What that sounds um, awesome. Yeah, that's like a thing. They put a big screen up and you you watch it and whatever. But like if you're going for that experience, you're expecting everybody to have seen it. So maybe that's a way to do it like the second viewing or something hmm. like a second viewing uh experience well, where know, people can interact with the that's film that's interesting that you say that i had this thought after lee and i talked that i wish i had brought up but i what i feel like one thing that has died since we were kids is the second and third one movie theaters do you guys have those anymore in, in... yeah we did we definitely did and yeah like, we had them too where... lee and i when we were kids or kids we were probably like, like teenagers you know yeah. high school yeah. yeah we would go to a lot of movies um at the second and third run movie theaters and the movie the theaters aren't as nice they're they're kind of no, shitty they're not they're well like, attended yeah. but you like i remember you could like i i feel like you could go see a movie for like a buck or two at least when i was like 10 
maybe. Yeah, I remember seeing, I think we saw Minority Report mm. in one of those theaters. Um, yeah, no, that was a big part of our theatrical experience yeah, growing mine up too. those mine theaters. Too. One of the, our little, little local theater was like that. And now that theater plays... So it's interesting. Those have kind of disappeared. I wonder. I wonder what the economic disappeared reason. because that that went to your that went to your TV that went to your DVD player. I guess, but it's also. I mean, movies. I guess they're some of them are coming out earlier, but there's no reason why those can't exist. And they still some of them still do exist, but they're so few and far between now. And but that's a good example, like. Like, could you keep movies in theaters a little longer? Could you try to have that experience again? I mean, there must be a reason why they've, you know, faded away. But if you have that experience available to you where, um, like, like uh, we have them here. The McMinimins theaters here used to be like that. but now, And they're in McMinimins. It's like a bar, restaurant, chain. They have all yeah, these what cool are they properties. And these they have a, well, they're not playing anything, but at the moment. But when they did that... Right. They, they used to play. I mean, maybe it is third run. I don't even. I think I don't. That term might be too antiquated now to even make sense. But you know, you get a beer, you a couple beers, you get like a hamburger, and you sit in kind of like a bar atmosphere and watch a movie. It's cool. I mean, it it's a different experience from seeing a you know Avengers Endgame on opening weekend, which I did, and there was a newborn baby sitting behind me. In this. That's- that's ridiculous. I mean, that no matter how we make up the rules, a newborn baby shouldn't be at a movie. No, theater. who who let them uh, in? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I mean, I know we're talking about saving the movie going experience, which again we all want to do, and I think will be saved, and I think will be fine, but ultimately no matter how they fudge the numbers or what they say movies movies are ma- are somehow making money because they may they're making more of them now than they ever have they're not they're not fucking radio shack well, that they're just going to stop because people aren't like they're make they're finding a way to make movie make money whether they go on to streaming straight or they don't like there is a business model out there and i think they the theaters i mean not the theaters but the production companies are playing up how bad it is more than it actually the is the- you mean the theater the how bad the theater experience is no no i'm talking about movies themselves like I know people like are cons- like even uh, you guys talked about like Lone Ranger for right. example. I bet you end of the day the money coming into that movie was more than the money going out even though that was a massive failure. Like they make money. Maybe that one I I really doubt it. But okay, maybe that's a bad example, but most movies are doing all right that's why they're making so many well i I read an article today about the most what were the most profitable films and you know not every movie is titanic but like i think titanic made like a four billion dollar profit like that is astounding for a single piece of entertainment that's insane there's no no album no book no TV show has ever made that kind of money before. And there's that it was it's 
one of a couple that had made that kind of money. You know, like these movies are, and 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 it's it is the theatrical experience where a lot of that money is coming from. And I think the the idea of streaming, Netflix, Disney Plus, like I think the the results are not quite in yet for these, these things. I, you know, they're not, they are making like Netflix makes a lot of money, but they spend a lot of money. You know, they're not there. These operations aren't like completely, uh, yeah, but they're like, kind of like, it's like Amazon saying that they've never turned a profit. Right. They're kind of, it's the same. It's the same thing. Like it's, it's just, they're just spending so much money that, I mean, you get billions of dollars coming in, billions of dollars coming out. It's just so much money. It's not really that much to be concerned with. Right. And I'm just glad that, like, and like that is sort of being saved. Like, in a way, like, it's going to continue on. Yeah. There's going to be movies for years. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Get Your Film Fixed podcast. Lee will be back next week. We're going to review Promising Young Woman, which we were all really excited to see. We'll see if it lived up to the hype. Uh, Let us know if you guys watched Ammonite, or let us know if you have thoughts on the theatrical experience. Let us know what you love about going to the movies. Share us, tell us a memory of the movie theater experience that you love, that that makes you excited to get back in the theater once we've solved this pandemic. Thank you so much for listening. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.